Wolfpack Ninja Podcast, Spring 2017. The one, the only, the legendary, Chris Sharma. That's the key in life is to always just learn something new and be on that path of uh, working to improve and having these goals and things to, to be excited about. Welcome to the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. I'm Megan Martin. And I'm Ian Dory. I'm Brian Arnold. And I'm Noah Kaufman, the Ninja Doc. Thanks for joining our weekly conversation about health, fitness, and all things Ninja Warrior. We will be interviewing all of the top American Ninja Warrior stars, and we encourage you to visit our website, www.wolfpackninjas.com. And kids, you can get your free Wolfpack Ninja Cub certificate there. If you like our podcast, please share, subscribe, and like on iTunes. Also, give us a follow on our social media. We're always posting new content, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Wolfpack Ninja and on Instagram at Wolfpack Ninja Warrior. Together, we can make the world a healthier and happier place. So join us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wolfpack Ninja podcast. So before we get into the meat of the episode, the Chris Sharma interview, which is going to be unbelievable, I want to tell you a little bit about the Wolfpack Ninja Tour. And for all the climbers out there, this really exciting event where you are going to be able to come and compete with ninjas and race for over $30,000 in cash prizes. It benefits the Children's Hospital of Colorado April 29th and 30th in Denver, Colorado at the Magnus Arena. Uh, We have... Uh, sponsored some incredible athletes, including Nathaniel Coleman, the national bouldering champion. He's going to be there competing for his share of the money, and let's see what he can do. Come out, let's see what you can do against the top ninjas, top parkour, top Spartan, top obstacle course racers. Ninjas have been particularly good at rock climbing, and climbers have been particularly good at ninja. So let's see what happens at this all-star event. There are VIP tickets if you want to come hang out at a catered party with all the top ninjas, and the top ninjas will be doing ninja classes for kids as well as adults on Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be an incredible event, and if you want to compete, it's going to be head-to-head racing. You try and qualify and get your fastest time that you can on this speed course. And then Sunday, if you're in the top 16, you'll be able to race head-to-head against other ninjas, dark horses, Spartans, OCR racers, and we're going to see who the absolute best obstacle course racer is for their share in over $30,000 in cash and prizes. It benefits charity. It's going to just be a great event. Come out, see all the ninjas, and see what you can do on a real pro Ninja Warrior course. So go now to www.wolfpackninjatour.com and buy your tickets. They're selling out. Uh, VIPs are almost sold out. We've got people coming from all over the world to this incredible event. Australia, the U.K., everywhere nova scotia calgary ottawa all over the u.s it's going to be amazing we're going to fill the magnus arena and it's over six thousand seats it's going to be great so get your tickets now and compete in the first ever historic largest event of its kind the wolfpack ninja tour let's get on with chris sharma we're back (laughs) we are back we are actually today's an amazing day We've got a very special character, a very special guy, you know, who's a very meaningful character in all of our lives as rock climbers. A lot of the ninjas may or may not know this guy, but this is one of the best climbers that ever lived, one of the strongest guys, one of the... He's just opened so many new things, so many legendary king lines. He's changed the sport. Yeah, he's inspired so many generations of, of, of climbers. Absolutely. I mean, when when I was first starting to rock climb, it's like, how do I get psyched? I watch videos of Chris Sharma. We've got Chris Sharma. Awesome. I know, right? Like, Chris is the man, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Chris kind of changed the way climbing was looked at in america so i mean he's quite i mean he's quite the legend so and also one of the nicest people people you'll ever talk to (laughs) he is he's so nice and you know it's interesting because i don't think a lot of the ninjas uh or fans out there who are listening they might not even know who chris sharma is because climbing you know it's growing but it's still a little fringe right yeah totally and i mean chris obviously is still so prevalent in the climbing community but i mean he you wouldn't see him like in a competition he's, you know, finding roots outside and boulders outside. And he just opened up his own gym. He is part of like why evolve exists, which is also one of my shoes sponsors. So like 
he he's done so much for the climbing community and unless you were around I don't know if you would know as much about it if you were just entering into this community yeah and he has moved right he's he's in Spain he lives in Spain now yeah he lives in Spain with his wife and their adorable little daughter (laughs) oh my gosh yeah I mean he's like legit boss though like I mean he's Chris Sharma yeah, yeah, he who he is. He's he's the man. Yep. I remember, you know, when I was in like high school and there was an ad on the back of a climbing magazine and it was like climbing is now spelled S H A R M A, Sharma. And it's because there was this little unassuming 14-year-old kid who all of a sudden started doing the hardest things in America that no American had even even done. All the Europeans were climbing much harder than us back back then. And, you know, there was a 514C at Smith Rocks, remember? Like, just do it. It was bolted, I think, who, J.B. Trebeau or... Chris did it in, like, seven goes or something. Uh, ironically, my buddy Dave Hume did it in, like, five goes and didn't get much press, you know. But, but for some reason, Chris being this kid, this phenom, he was changing the sport. There were no other kids who were doing what Chris was doing. He was the first guy to just really start. Everything was about jumping and cutting his feet and it was all upper body and it was a whole new style and he brought a strength that people had never, ever seen yeah, before. The, the style in climbing before that was more about static movements and trying to be, you know, do a movement. The, the thought was if you did it slow and, and, and controlled, that was more efficient than, than jumping around. 14A was so hard. It it was it wasn't for him. He was doing yeah. them like he was doing them like second go, I second believe. Second go, yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. And in terms of like long routes, now he's one of the only two guys I think now who's him done and Adam. Him and Adam Ondra have done five fifteen C. So it's come a long way, and he's the first one to do legit fifteen A. Although there were some that were you know questionable before that, but fifteen A with realization, fifteen B. Jumbo Love, yeah. And now 15C. And so that's really remarkable because he also did some of the best uh, and and hardest boulder problems. He put up the mandala. He's he's repeated V14s and V15s. And then he's done these deep water solos, some of which, you know, this uh, S. Pontus, it took 10 years for someone to repeat it. And it just got repeated. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's incredible. I've actually tried that route, got on it, jumped for that dyno. Didn't, didn't, I never stuck it. <laughs> it's big. Yeah, it's, it's, he's influenced the sport. Brian, what, you know, when you were growing up, when I was growing up, he was like younger than us, but he was kind of, you know, an inspirational character nonetheless. Oh, he totally was. He, what's so great about what Chris has done is Chris is the first to do a lot of things. And to be the first and to show everybody else what's possible. That's sometimes the hardest thing to do, and that's and that's what he's done. He helped me realize personally that the things that I used to think were hard, my my perception of hard, it wasn't hard. I, he he made me believe in myself that I could do harder because I would see him doing things that looked impossible, and he made them look easy. And I'm like, wow, he can do that. I can do. I can do. You know, maybe I can do this. Yeah, and I think he, he's done that for a lot of other people, not just myself. And he he's really pushed the level. And he he just like Ian, I, I used to go to his videos and watch videos of him climbing to get to get excited. Well, check it out. Before we get into Chris Sharma, I want to tell you something really cool about this company called Yellow Scene. This magazine, which is just super great, along with great local coverage for the community. Yellow Scene hosts four signature events through the year one of which is coming up April 22nd. That's why I want to tell you about it because I'm going to be bringing my boy there. We're going to be bringing our kids there. It's at the Orchard Town Center. Super Kids is the largest kids event in the state. Pony Rides, Bouncy Castle, Battle of the Superheroes, all these other activities. It's going to be super fun. We're going to have a booth there. It's the week before the Wolfpack Ninja Tour. Best of all, the event is free for everyone. Come out April 22nd to have one of the funnest playdates you can with your kids just to warm them up the week before the Wolfpack Ninja Tour. Now, Yellow Scene Magazine has been the people's choice of the People's Republic for 17 years, providing Boulder County and the North Metro with independent award-winning journalism. So check out their event, Super Kids, April 22nd at the Orchard Town Center. It's free. 
Well, there's no doubt Chris is going to have some really interesting things to say. So let's get into part one of this awesome two-part Chris Sharma Wolfpack Ninja podcast. Chris, Chris Sharma, man, it's great to talk to you, dude. Welcome to the Wolfpack Ninja podcast. Thanks, Noah. Yeah, man, good to, good to have a chance to catch up. It's like to be a part of this and, yeah, have the opportunity to share a little bit about my world with all of your followers. So cool to be here. It's been a long time. You know, we haven't talked in a while. I mean, you moved to Spain. We were kind of kids when I first met you. It's been pretty amazing following your travels, seeing what you've been up to. Give us, a, give us the, the download. What, what's been going on? in like the last 10 years, like a quick summary. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, as everyone knows, you know, life is a crazy journey that we're on. And, you know, obviously as a climber, that's one of the really cool things about climbing is that it takes you all over the world. It gives us this opportunity to see so many amazing places. Basically, you moved out of the country and you, you moved to Spain. You know, climbing is such a an amazing activity. And in some ways, it's so much more than just a sport, right? It's um, yeah. And of course, I'm an athlete, and of course, climbing is a sport. But it's it really is this way of life. It's this kind of vehicle for travel and learning about different cultures. Obviously, this amazing interaction with nature, and yeah, that all of those things have taken me to a lot of places around the world. It's interesting, you know. So I'm from Santa Cruz. I grew up on the beach. You know, I grew up surfing, boogie boarding with my dad. Uh, when I got into climbing, of course, I started going towards the mountains. But I've always had this very strong connection with with the ocean. It's interesting, you know, I guess it was even more than 10 years ago. I was 22 at the time, and I had just climbed a route realization, you know, more, maybe the first 515 in the world. It was that long ago now? Wow. It was uh, 2001. That's incredible. You know, I had, I had done a lot, of, a lot of what I had set out to do. You know, I had won... World Cups. I'd won the X Games. I've climbed the hardest routes in the U.S. I'd established 515. For me, of course, I'm a climber, but you know, I've always seen myself even beyond that as just kind of a a human being. And of course, climbing is a big part of who I am. Sure. But you know, there was definitely crossed my mind at that point. You know, after having you know so much, having achieved so much at you know a, a young age, and having also been immersed so intensely in climbing for you know from from such a young age that maybe that was a, a moment to kind of break out and do something else. You know, I, I really feel like life is about experiencing all of these different facets, you know, and yeah. and to just put ourselves in a box and say, no, I'm just a climber. It, it always seemed like a limiting thing. Right. Anyways, you know, uh, one is always trying to find, find themselves. And, you know, that was a, a typical kind of moment, I guess, you know, 21, 22, trying to kind of figure out where, what my next step was. And I, I took a trip to Mallorca where Clem Lasca, this Austrian climber, was just kind of discovering sequel block or deep water soloing there. And right, right. I saw the first film, my good friends, Josh and Brett Lowell from Big Up Productions, they'd come out to film him. It blew my mind. I'd been to places like Thailand where there was lots of sea cliffs. And as I mentioned, I've always had this really strong connection with the ocean, but I never kind of put two and two together that you could actually mix climbing and the ocean in that in such an amazing way. Totally. When I saw that, I was just uh, I was like, I have to try that. And I went back. We filmed a second episode with with Big Up Productions for the Dosage series, and it just it rocked my world. You know, it it brought my two favorite places. You know, the ocean and the the mountains, and it brought it together. And it really, for me, it like. It gave me the second wind for my, my passion for climbing, and it showed me this next step, next place to take everything that I've done, you know, which was sport climbing and bouldering mostly. You know, so deep water soloing or sickle block is basically, you know, you're free soloing with no rope over the water. And it really is bringing aspects of sport climbing, aspects of bouldering, and yeah, the adventure even of alpine climbing, it mixes it all together. And, and it's uh, at the same time, you're at, you're at the beach, you know, climbing over the beautiful Mediterranean. And this style of climbing just spoke so much to me. It became a place that I ended up going back to over and over again. It's incredible. And, and of course, you ended up putting up this amazing climb there called Espontis, right? Exactly. So, you know, I think I, I'd gone back three or four times and when I found Espontas. That, in a way, kind of sealed the deal. Like, you know, I found this amazing project it set me on this path where I ended up spent, spending a lot of time over there, made a really good friend, Miguel Riera, who is kind of the, the godfather of Sico Block. He was deep water soloing since 1978, and I ended up learning how to speak Spanish, and yeah, just 
slowly making friends and putting down roots here in a way. At the same time, it's always been really important for me to to maintain my roots back in California. And I've always come back, you know, sure, three, four, five times a year. So definitely it's, uh, it's, it's become my home here. But at the same time, I, I still really identify with uh, where I'm from. And, and that's really important to not, not lose sight of that as well. And it's interesting. I feel, uh, of course, very connected here to Spain, but just so much of my life has been spent traveling around the world that I feel kind of like a, a citizen of the world, you know? And sure. That's kind of the cool thing about climbing is that you can go all over the place and meet people that maybe you've bumped into in other places. And through our shared passion for climbing, you can connect with these people that might you might not even speak the same language. You come from totally different backgrounds, but through climbing, you can connect. Share the same joy. Yeah, I felt that you know connection with this international community for so many years that you know I really feel like feel at home wherever I am, and you know it just happens to be that I've spent a lot of time over here in, in Spain. Yeah, it's such a welcoming community. The climbing community is such a such a happy go lucky friendly community where it seems like we all want to see each other do really well and and succeed because you know it's an individual journey. Everybody falls all the time. You fall all the time. And I think people see the videos and they watch, you know, they watch you succeed on these incredibly difficult first ascents, but they don't realize how much work maybe goes into it. And we're all falling. And so we can all identify with that, you know, get back up and try again yeah. type attitude, right? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's one of the really cool things about climbing. And, you know, that's something I tell everyone is that, of course, human nature, you know, you always want to be the best, you want to win, whatever. But right. in the end, it, it is such a personal thing. In that same way, a first timer or someone who's, you know, climbing it, you know, comparing to myself, you know, maybe at a much lower level, can still experience that essence of climbing, which is pushing your limits, maybe confronting yourself with something that you're not sure if you're capable of, Right. you know, bit by bit, discovering that you are capable of that. And so climbing is really this sport kind of open to so many different people and experiencing it in that deep way and yeah it's it's incredible one of the cool things about climbing is that it's not just in the the format of a competition of course it's it's great that we have these different ways you know we have competition climbing and we have big wall climbing we have deep water solo and there's all these different ways to kind of enjoy the sport of course for so many people in the u.s and around the world Coming into contact with climbing now, it's through Climbing Gym. That's also how I got my start, you know, when I was you know, 12 years old. That's been interesting, too, for me, just a, a really cool process of kind of coming back to my roots in some way. And, of course, I started in a climbing gym, but very quickly I discovered the outdoors and discovered this amazing natural world. And, you know, thankful to – very thankful to all the people that kind of guided me on that that path, introduced me to the – yeah, this connection with nature and really, you know, climbing, that's one of the places where it really transcends just a, a sport. It's this very, it's very much interacting with nature in this very intimate way and finding these new roots. And basically, I, I definitely see it as like performance art in a way. You know, we're, we're finding these yeah. rocks to interact with and, you know, they're, they've, these new roots, they end up becoming like interactive sculptures. Right, right. It's really a, you know, aesthetic thing and it's amazing. You know, we're exploring nature and finding these things that it's almost like they were put there to be climbed, you know, and we're kind of unlocking that code, that sequence and that all of those things, you know, I mean, such climbing is such a rich activity in that way. You know, there's so many different facets to it. And I think that's one of the, the reasons why it's this activity that you can you can do for your whole life and it never really gets old. And I think it, it's just important to keep feeding that passion and, you know, keeping that, that flame alive. But, you know, for me, I've been climbing for almost 25 years now and I'm just still so in love with it. And I feel like there's so many new experiences to have. And even just the fact that it's just such a familiar activity for me, you know, it's this very much grounding thing that I do now. It's you know, something I've always come back to. Right. And it's something that I, I kind of rely on for my, you know, happiness and sanity. And I think there's, it has a lot to offer for, you know, in today's day and age and society. And uh, it's just such a great alternative. Climbing is something that changes your whole kind of vision of the world in a way it changes your the way you see things you know it changes the way you look at buildings you, right you see you see right. them in a different way you look at like oh look at that that would be cool to climb on exactly it totally changes your perception of physical world yeah there's so many metaphors and you can just go on and on about it but it's just an amazing activity you, you could it, it's it's magical and you know i'll tell you one thing that 
I've always loved about your approach to climbing is your love of nature and the elements. And I love how with Seco Block, with Seco, uh, with the deep water soloing, you know, you were able to combine these two elements. And and just so you know, you know, I, I you remember Brian Caps? Yeah, yeah. Brian and I went over to Majorca and because we, we had to do Lascott, Lascott and two smoking barrels, and we went over there and we did it. And to this day, it's not the hardest thing I've ever done, but it was. Maybe the highlight of my climbing life, it was so incredible being over the ocean, throwing my body. And you're right. It's like climbing sculpture. It's like this amazing thing that's just there with a path up it. There could easily be a 10-foot section with nothing. But somehow there's this sequence that you can kind of magically get through. I, I just love and want to do more of the Seco Block stuff. And it was pretty cool that you got to do Espontis. And what was that process like? Because for everybody who's out there listening, this – and we'll have a video of it up on the show notes. But this route – it's uh, it has it been repeated yet, Chris? No, it hasn't been repeated. Gosh, that's amazing. But yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's it's very different, and there's a lot of technical points to explain. You know, basically because we have no ropes, I think everyone will agree that climbing with no ropes is the most spectacular form of climbing. <laughs> yeah, and maybe the most pure, except that obviously if you're doing it over land, you have there's no room for error, so. People that do do that, they're very conservative in their climbing. They're very much in control. Right. And for me, what I've always specialized in is climbing at the very limit of what's physically possible. And to really discover that limit, you have to fall over and over and over again to really, you know, find you know your your limit. And and then once you find that, we'll like push that and and work to achieve these these amazing cliff faces that would appear to be impossible at the beginning. And that's the cool thing with Seco Block is that you can have that experience of climbing with no ropes and at the same time you can fall. It's just the kind of the best of both worlds, you know, it's the the, the full package in so many ways. And, you know, even, you know, bringing, like I said a little bit, just the adventure of it all. And it's funny, we, uh, uh, we call it, uh, you know, you have alpine climbing, obviously, up in the mountains. And alpine climbing is very, you have to be very cautious, very conservative. Obviously, you have avalanches, rockfall, you know, every movement you take, you have to be very deliberate. You're dealing with the elements in so many different ways. And with Seco Block, especially over the ocean, climbing is not just about rock. You're dealing with the water, the ocean conditions, yeah, waves. You can fall, but there's consequences if you fall. It's just such a, yeah, an amazing activity. And Espontis, what was Espontis like? You know, you found it. What, what was the, the story behind that? So I have this long history of finding these extremely difficult, beautiful projects. You know, for me, that's the film King Lines that we put out is that's kind of my main like motivation is finding something that's not only at my limit that's very difficult yeah. but that's super beautiful that you know nature has created something that's just so spectacular one of the things i've always said is that if it's just about finding out who's strongest well we might as well just not even go outside and you can just have a pull up competition <laughs> right right you know climbing is so so much more than just being strong and you know for me my my inspiration has been finding these amazing beautiful things in nature and Espontes is a freestanding arch off the coast of Mallorca all of these different things came together to make that climb super spectacular one of the things being this spectacular dyno in the middle of the route that I fell over and over and over again because there's no ropes you have to you know every time you fall you have to start again at the bottom and work your way back up kind of tedious but every time I would go back there it was such a pleasure and to be able to go out there oftentimes alone in this amazing location, free soloing over the ocean and try this amazing arch. Yeah. I mean, in the end it becomes, this rock was there for thousands of millions of years or whatever, but climbing, we're bringing this new vision, this new interaction, and it becomes something much more than just a rock. Yeah. There's this pathway, especially, you know, when a, a line that we climb is all chalked up, you can, you can see this, see this, this pathway up, up the wall and, it's beautiful, you know, especially to a climber. It's beautiful. It, it shows this, you know, this sequence. And right. climbing can be, you can compare it to like a martial art. You could also compare it to a dance. But there is this element of choreography to it, you know, of, you know, this sequence of movements that you have to do and execute just in the perfect way. You know, it's very, I think, comparable also to music and someone who's, I don't know, trying to master like jazz. Yeah, jazz or Beethoven or whatever, you know, and you right. practice it 
over and over and over again to get that one time where it goes just right. And that the amazing thing is all of that practice, and then once you finally do it, it actually can feel effortless. Yeah. And that's really one of the most amazing experiences. You know, you're like, all that effort for that, it felt easy this time. Right. <laughs> it's really this almost kind of transcendental moment. They're few and far between. And, you know, for me, oftentimes, like with Espontas or, or many other clients, I've spent years working on these these things. But it's uh, one of the main ways I keep keep the fire alive. Yeah, it's, it's what I love to do most. It's a form of ecstasy, you know, getting to that moment where it's just this, uh, it's almost like an epiphany. You, yeah. You have this moment of perfection, and that's so rare in life because as, as humans, we're imperfect beings. We're imperfect things, you know, and it's so hard to tap into that kind of universal perfection. But we can and it's those flow moments that that you describe it's it's pretty amazing yeah it's cool i mean it's all it's all you know finding something is very much is personal right right that's the cool thing it's it's accessible to everyone you know it's not just for a few elite people it's anyone can can tap into that but it's it's amazing when you give put your whole heart and soul into something and all of this energy, you know, sacrifice, right. commitment, and then this moment where it all comes together and it just clicks and everything feels effortless. It's it's a magical moment for sure. So have you heard the Chris Sharma joke? Well, which one? <laughs> the one about the car. Right, right. The one about the car. Can I tell it real quick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so – uh, you heard Chris Sharma bought a new car. It's a Passat. <laughs> Have you heard that one? Yeah, I've heard that one. I've heard that one. <laughs> so now once you get a joke made about you, you know you've arrived. I mean, you know that you, you've made an impact on culture and society. And, and, the reason, and the reason that joke is so funny to all the non-climbers out there is Chris is really known for his vocal you know, effort. When he's trying really hard, uh, he's Passat. Right. You know, there's all these amazing sounds that Passat. you yeah, Passat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's these amazing sounds that you make. And, you know, why do you think you do that? It's obviously like you're putting your full effort into it. And I think it's one of the reasons that has made you uh, pretty much the best climber in the world by many standards is that you're able to try so hard. How, how do you do that? Well, I think uh, climbing is an interesting sport because, you know, there's – you know the the tempo of everything. You know, it, you, of course, we have bouldering. Bouldering is very much about this explosive movement. Yeah, you know, putting all of your energy into one or two movements. Right. And then, you know, one of the things about sport climbing is that it's you know you're mixing these very difficult explosive sequences, but in a, a cliff face of maybe 150 feet. And so there's a, a lot of strategy to conserve your energy, but then also in the moments that really have to make it count to really step it up yeah turn it on yeah and yet yeah, turn it on and that's that's one of the really uh, challenging things is oftentimes people have that stamina and people are both are good at bouldering but to mix those two things i think have been kind of my key to success you know of, of being a, a boulder and a sport climber and that has allowed me to really explore the the frontier of what's physically possible on these uh really difficult long routes right but yeah it's it's Climbing, as I said, it's, it, it is comparable to a martial art in some ways. You know, the discipline, the focus, the core tension that you have to have. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from is it's very similar to like the, the kia in, in karate or something. Right, so right. It's, uh, you know, it's very much about just coming from your like your abdomen and channeling all of your energy at the same time maintaining your breath. And that's such a, you know, it's almost a hard thing, you know, if you tense your abdomen – it's really hard to breathe, right? Yeah. None of it's scientifically proven or even really studied, but that's just kind of a hunch. Is you know, it's a way of channeling your your breath in a way to into your movements. So it's uh sometimes you got to bear down and, you know, <laughs> and try hard. <laughs> <laughs> now, you you've spent some time studying some eastern philosophies and studying philosophy and meditation and do you think that's contributed to your skill as a climber i mean of course they've affected who i am as a climber i mean i think in general just as a person how i how i see life how i approach things you know at the same time i feel like climbing is my way of tapping into that as well yeah 
you know, sitting down with your legs crossed and meditating is, is very challenging. And I, I've spent chunks of time in my life doing that quite a bit, spent time in Japan and India and meditation centers. And I very much value those experiences. But I've also found that this connection that I have through climbing is a, is almost a easier way for me to tap into that. But yeah, I think all of those, all of the experiences we have are part of what makes us who we are, right? And sure, and without a doubt, those those experiences have um, have influenced me in in many ways. Do you feel like at thirty five years old, you're still on top of your game and moving upwards, or or do you feel like you're you're kind of getting long in tooth a little bit? Well, I think uh, it's interesting. You know, right now, I've been. You know, just had a baby girl. Yes, amazing. Of course. It's the priority right now. It's like, you know, it, it makes our personal ambitions like trying to climb a specific route pale in comparison, right? Right, right. But at the same time, you know, I'm a climber. It's what <laughs> I need that for my own happiness. It's also also my job, you know, and it's also just what I love to do. Yeah. But it's one of the interesting things, of course, I've climbed to 515C and it's amazing how much commitment and dedication and takes to, to reach that level right right but you know i've been kind of different than a lot of climbers in some ways i've been physically gifted i think and you know talented in climbing that i've never really had to train hard at, like an athlete interestingly enough you know i just i opened this climbing gym in barcelona uh in november now we just have a baby girl and of course it's summertime it's warm out it's also harder for me to to get away right but i have this am- amazing training facility 10 minute walk from my house. I've been using it a lot recently. So I actually feel like I'm maybe in better shape than I've ever been in my life. That is awesome. And you're going to bring it you're going to bring it to Seco, right? Yeah, well, definitely that's one of the, you know, one of the ideas is to I'm I'm experimenting with some systematic training from friends like Pachi Uzobiaga, these guys that have, you know, really uh dedicated themselves to train in a planned systematic way. Right, right. For me climbing has always been this very spontaneous expression of my inspiration for these things that I see out in in the world. In my current moment, it's it's not that easy to be out always out out and about. So I've been I've been taking this time to to kind of explore that. You know, it's in a way it's very much an internal journey as well of training, and uh, it very much is comparable to you know these times of focusing, doing these almost med- you know intensive meditation retreats. It's it's hard. It's hard work. <laughs> it is hard work for sure. You know, there's moments you're like, why the hell am I doing this? <laughs> right. But it's also at the end of every session, you know, it's very satisfying and pushing yourself to this, these really extreme moments that you, you do like uncover these, these amazing uh, parts of yourself that you never knew that existed. Right. Right. And so right. it's, yeah, that's one of the the really cool things about climbing. So you know, through through this training, and actually through something that becoming a dad, which many would think would be a detracting thing from from my performance, it's actually turned into something that has given me this uh, opportunity to to be still for a while and and you know be able to explore a little bit of this training, which I think is. Yeah, it could could take my climbing uh, a notch up, up for sure. I think it will, Chris. I mean, I can't wait to see what you can accomplish kind of for the first time spending some real time trying hard. And now I have a question for you. Honestly, how often do you think you try your hardest? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay, well, you may remember from Jeff Britton, the first American Ninja Warriors episode, that we ended on the same question for part one. And we'll pick up with Chris in part two next week. But first, let's talk a little bit about what he's had to say so far and see what the other wolves think. Chris Sharma interview. That was pretty cool. It was fun to get to interview Chris. You know, I've it, it's been a long time since I've talked with him. Yeah, no, it's it's great to, to get his thoughts. And he talks about how he's, you know, sort of been the beacon for climbing and traveled all the world and used his climbing uh, fame to sort of propel him into other business attributes. And I just wanted to throw this out there. Actually, Chris Sharma and I have competed, head, not head to head, but in the same competition. And I beat him. Nice. Just Whoa. throwing it out there. <laughs> Love you, Chris. <laughs> there's not very many people who can say they've, they've beaten Chris. Claim no. to fame yeah. right there. 
Uh, but I, I've beaten you to a first ascent of a double-digit boulder pump, I remember that. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Respect. Let that go down in history. <laughs> you and P. Rob. <laughs> I beat both of you now. <laughs> no, so what I'm saying is that, you know, it can happen one in a hundred times. You know? <laughs> yeah, in, in alternate realities, you know, it didn't happen, but... Now, I like his perspective on rock climbing and how it's sort of a journey for everyone individually, not just, it's like you have to personally experience your own like life and rock climbing for one person that is, it means one thing. It's a certain level and difficulty and for other people, it's easy or hard. So it's, it's all your own personal battle and it's really hard to do that. But if you can, if you can. Put, the, put your own life sort of in your own world and not compare yourself to Chris Sharma or to Brian Arnold and really focus on you, then you're going to get so much stronger and you're going to learn a lot more quickly because you're not, you're not worried about everyone else. Yeah, and Chris said that and focused on it quite a bit, how it's a personal journey, you know, and, and yeah, he won all this stuff and he became famous and he did all this stuff, but he's still trying to discover his own personal limits and he gets a very spiritual connection with the earth, with the, the substrate, which is the rock and nature. And he feels really connected to the universe through climbing. And that's a really cool part of climbing is, unlike a lot of, you know, sports, it's, it's a full-on lifestyle. I mean, a lot of sports are a lifestyle. They're surfing, and I think parkour is a lifestyle, too. And, and I think ninja is a lifestyle. But to interact with nature as part of that lifestyle... Is there's something very, very spiritual about it. And whether or not you're a religious person, you see the beauty in, in just the world and the beauty in the natural world. And climbing affords us that opportunity to travel all over the world for it. Yeah, and I, I think all of us can learn from Chris. And I, I know I have. You know, when he is working a project, he's trying hard. He's doing, he's pushing his limits. He's always trying to find that. And if you just go out there and do a bunch of, whether you're climbing or doing ninja obstacles or whatever you're doing, if you're just kind of doing like moderate stuff and you're not, you know, trying at your hardest all the time, you're never going to find your limit. You're never going to really push the boundaries of what you're capable of. Um, you might get really efficient out of movement, but you're not going to find those extra movements that you didn't know that you could do. Um, Chris is a master of that. Chris has mastered the process, the process of going out there, finding his, his limit, finding how much he can push, push himself to be that much better. And I totally respect that. It brings up a really good point, And it's a philosophy of effort. And it's something I've put a lot of time into thinking. I even made, you know, a climbing movie a long time ago called Try Hard. And uh, Try Harder is actually still... Uh, somewhere in my in, in my Rolodex of projects to finish over the years. But, you know, I've, I've often thought about what it takes to try your hardest philosophically. You know, how often, and we even have a, you know, I've, I've had a poll on a previous website. How often do you think you try your hardest? Um, you know, and it's really interesting. If you ask yourself, some people say, oh, I try my hardest all the time on everything. And I would say that's not a very honest answer. I'd say the most honest athletes and the best athletes are like, wow, yeah, I actually don't try my hardest all the time. It's hard to try my hardest and I have to try to try my hardest, you know? And, and I think that, like you said, Brian, Chris has gotten really good at learning how to try his hardest. And I know that when I'm sitting down in front of a really hard project for me, something that's, you know, my Dawn Wall or my V15 or something that for me at my personal limit is as hard as I can do and I need to dig really deep. I know that sometimes I can do it and sometimes I just can't harness that like deep down truth, like that honest effort, which seems to come from some kind of like subconscious place. And to have that kind of meditative mastery over the ability to try hard, that's what makes an athlete truly incredible. And especially if you match that up with incredible forearms and finger strength and genetics. So... Yeah, trying hard hurts. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. This is a complicated question, really. We could talk about it for hours. Yeah, try yeah. I mean effort, try hard. You know, and you can see when people truly try hard. You know. If someone if you if you are ever I challenge you, watch when you go to the climbing gym 
if you see someone trying really hard on a project, and if you see their feet come off and touch the ground first, generally, they're not trying their hardest. Generally, if they're screaming and their hands pop off because they literally can't hold on any longer, they may be I, I usually, trying to try their hardest. Yeah, I usually make involuntary noises. Like, yeah, I, I usually yeah. grunt or like, like, and I, I've kind of wondered why I do that, and I figured it out. I I feel I feel like a lot of times for me, I'm fighting an inner voice that tells me, "Okay, you're done." Because I'm going yeah, you beyond. You can't do this. Or... Yeah, because I'm pushing that pain threshold, or you know, what I mean, I I'm having to tell that I'm having to just shut that voice up yeah. and not listen to him and just let my body do what's capable of doing. And we all have that little voice, you know. It's that little man. I remember Flip talking about it, and he talked about how Will Smith said, you know, there's a little man inside who, you know, wants to stop you, wants to slow you down, and you have to keep going. Yeah, maybe that's why climbers scream is to block that voice out. And it's like what's like the martial arts, right? It's like the yeah or like the yeah. Everybody's got a noise. We I told Chris you heard the the joke about you know what kind of car does Chris Sharma drive? (laughs) The Passat. (laughs) (laughs) And you know it's funny. Chris is like, oh yeah, I've heard those jokes. But it's it's funny. It's cool that he has a joke, you know, created after him, and it has to do with the noises he makes when he's trying hard. So that's kind of cool. Does Does Adam Andro have a, a joke yet? I don't know. He's oh always God. yelling. He is, that guy is a maniac. I love it. Adam, Adam is... And that's the thing is, you know, Chris was that kid phenom. And now there's like, you know, hundreds of kid phenoms. And there's people climbing harder than Chris. And... Not very many, but there's a few. Yeah, right, right. That's the thing is there's not very many. There's, there's you know, a couple few people. Um, what I find interesting, too, is when you talk to Chris and when you, you know, learn about these top, the guys at the top, these, they're training. Chris, Chris is trained now. I mean, he, before, um, I think he just climbed a bunch, but now he's he's out there. He knows what it takes to get to the next level, and he he's He's taking the whole climbing world there. Like he's showing, he's showing everyone what's possible, and he's he figured out how how to get to that next level. And what in I think guys like Adam have showed Chris that he can get better. And just like Chris did for Adam and for everyone else, it's it's inspiring to watch everyone else push each other. And in the ninja community, I know we all learn from each other. I've learned watching the other ninjas as, you know, I'm sure they've learned from watching us. And, I, I man, isn't it great being a part of this whole whole? Yeah, no, I just want to expand on experience. that. I, I think really that cool. if you can watch people as an opportunity to learn movement and functionality and body position, then each time you see somebody, if you're not, if your ego is not there, you can really add to your bag of tricks. And I think that, that uh, if you can try to incorporate that in your training, then you're going to get good fast. Yeah, so for you guys that are just in the ninja and don't know much about the climbing world, don't know who Chris is, haven't seen videos of Chris, I encourage you to to get on and, and look, look watch Chris and and you'll learn a lot a lot from Chris just by watching him how he moves. Um I've actually been working boulder problems before and thought to myself, how would Chris do this? Like if I was watching a video of Chris do this, how would he do this? And as silly as that may sound to some people, you you can learn a lot by watching the best. You watch the best out there, and you can learn. WWCSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And uh, we're going to post a whole bunch of Chris Sharma videos on the show notes. So go to our show notes. There's a bio on Chris. There's all kinds of web links to his YouTube channels and his social media. And you, you need to follow him. He posts really amazing stuff. It's just really, really inspiring to have a guy like Chris in the world who's humble, down to earth, and has accomplished so much for climbing. And of course, we're always talking about, remember when Jeff was on, Jeff and I were like, oh man, what if Chris did ninja? You know, like, <laughs> He'd never get tired and you know, he's, like, he's like fairly tall. But you know, Chris also has a little bit of a reputation for like being a little clumsy, like he'll the first time I ever uh, came face to face with Chris, 
he uh, he was picking himself off the ground because uh, we were both hiking on the same trail and came face to face with each other, and he tripped and fell on his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he stood up, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, it's Chris Sharma, and I got starstruck. But it, it, it's just kind of funny that someone <laughs> so athletic can sometimes be so so clumsy looking. But you know, we all have our weaknesses, and um, Chris really doesn't have very many weaknesses. That he would yeah. be an awesome ninja. Yeah, Chris would be a good ninja. You know, it, it's funny. I met Chris in Waco, and it just reminds me of my meeting with Chris was was less was a little bit, uh, you know, less on the trail. Chris Fong, and it was more around a fire at Waco Tanks, and people were jumping naked through the fire. Actually, appropriate. I, I was, uh, I, you, I, I was, I was guilty. I was guilty. I mean, you know, I was a kid, and uh, I was probably in my. Is that where you got that scar? <laughs> You're not supposed to talk about that scar, Brian. <laughs> but you know, I was I was in my 20s, and me and this guy Jeremy Smith, and there was a, a ton of people around the fire at Pete's. And Chris, you know, was a teenage kid, and even though he was like this world class crusher, he was kind of humble, kind of shy, just in the background. And I think he thought that we were pretty crazy, and uh, it just brings back memories. It was a long, long time ago, so. It was pretty funny, and I had no idea, you know, who he was, and it was it was fun meeting him and hanging out so long ago. Yeah, so that's my Chris story. Ah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I the first time I met Chris, I think I was like twelve years old, and at a competition circuit that used to exist called the PCA, and at this time he was actually doing climbing competitions. I remember he was like super nice. You know, I'm like a twelve year old kid who thinks he's like amazing obviously I I still do but it's funny because I took like a seven-year hiatus from climbing and I remember when Sender One in Santa Ana opened we had this like pro competition and this is the first time I had seen him since I was like 12 years old 12 years old so like I just assume he doesn't remember who I am right and so I walk up and I'm like oh hey I probably don't remember me I'm Megan he goes no I remember who you are Megan obviously I was like oh okay cool (laughs) like (laughs) like, that's awesome I had no idea (laughs) you were kind of fangirling a little bit huh yeah well I mean I just didn't expect him to remember yeah and then he like He's like, oh, no, I remember you. Like, I know who you are. I was like, oh, cool. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad. <laughs> it's been, like, so long. So, I don't know. I think it's always – I mean, I feel like when I meet people, if I remember their names, they're always, like, surprised. But I think it's always great if you are somebody who's in the limelight, I guess, if you can always be genuine. And I think that he totally embodies that genuineness, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it probably wasn't that hard to remember you, Megan, because you know, you've know you kind of been in and out. I'm sure he was following you and like saw you and stuff and yeah, saw like, you in magazines. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, whoa, no way. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, good stuff. Let's get into the tips for today. So my tip today is this is the Ninja Doc. I'm going to be talking about trying hard. Because it's something that I love. It's something I've been fascinated with. And there's ways to practice this, okay? You, you can you can do this. It, if you think you practice and try your hardest all the time, first, the first step is get rid of that. That's not true. You think you do, you don't, okay? None of us do. Even the world's best athletes do not try their hardest. Jeff Britton told us in his interview that he tries his hardest one to two times a week. Chris Sharma is not too different. You know, when... When we have things that we need to try our hardest, we can tap into those deep levels. But how do you practice to try your hardest? And one thing that I've found is uh, drills where uh, after you're warmed up, after you've been training, you get on uh, just a, a single set of holds on the wall that you can barely hold on to. And you put your feet on and you just start screaming. You hold on as tight as you can. And you try and keep your feet on. You never let your feet off. And that's the goal of the exercise is to keep your feet on no matter what. And this is a, a slightly overhanging to severely overhanging wall. Put your hands on. Just start screaming and see how hard you can try. And what you'll notice is, is you can try and you can hold on a lot longer than you think you can. And your mind will start doing funny things. You'll start saying like, oh, I think I've tried hard enough, I can let go. Or like your mind will start to have a dialogue, an internal dialogue, and listen to it. And what you want to do is you want to remove that dialogue 
and you just want to fight and go somewhere very, very deep and, and, as, as, and push yourself as hard as you possibly can. And that's how you try your hardest. That's how you practice trying your hardest. And then you can translate that to other things you do in life. It's really, really challenging. It's more of a psychological uh, type of practice, but it's something that has helped me in everything from trying to get an A-plus in physics class to trying to put together the Wolfpack Ninja Tour uh, with my bros to American Ninja Warrior to sending my hardest projects to date. And it's something that, you know, you never, never have to, you know, let go of. You have to incorporate that into your personality and try as hard as you can in everything you do. Well, I have a, well, well, my tip is going to be about projecting. So I've been climbing for a long time, so I'm going to use a climbing, um, uh, climbing example because that's what I know, but you can apply this to, to ninja or whatever. Um, but the best climbers that I know, they are constantly finding something at their limit and they're working it. And these are, you know, boulder problems or routes. And Chris does this. This is what Chris does. But it's, each move is usually very, very difficult and it's hard for you to do. And there's no way uh, when you find a project that you're ever going to be able to do it that day. It's just, it's just, it's just not possible. You, you've, you're, you're aiming too low if that's the, if that's what you're doing. So you need to go out and find something that's at your limit where you're barely able, if at all, able to make each move. And when you just keep working that, um, each individual move until you can, you can do the move and then you start doing links and you'll find that you'll eventually, if you work it long enough and hard enough, put enough time into it, you'll eventually be able to do it. And once you do that, you've all of a sudden stepped up your level. And instead of just doing like a ton of moderates and building this huge base of moderate um, difficulty routes um, or boulder problems, you're all, 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 all of a sudden jumping up into a, a, the, new, the next tier of, of you're, you're at the next level. And I think that is the best way just from looking um, at the best climbers that I know, that's how they do it. You never find the, the guys in the gym that are the best just doing moderates and nothing but moderates. I mean, there's definitely a, a place for that in there, but push your level. Find your hard project. That was a great tip. And I'm my tip is going to be, we just talked about projecting and how to push yourself mentally. So I just want to step back a little bit and and talk to people who haven't necessarily been climbing or you're just starting to get climbing. It's really important to, to warm up really well. Like Chris Sharma said earlier in the interview, like you can be a climber for a long time, but you can't, you don't want to get injured. If you pop a pulley, you tear rotator cuff. I mean, these are serious injuries that can affect you for the rest of your climbing career, you know, your, your climbing experience or quest. So make sure you take your time, warm up. And for you new climbers, technique is one of the most important things that you can focus on. If you can focus on technique for long enough, you're actually going to be able to incorporate that into what Noah and Brian were talking about, pushing your limit mentally and then projecting because you're going to have the tools and skills and able to, to actually apply you know, what they said and, and become better faster. So warm up, take your time. Focus on technique so you can try harder and project harder things. Be your best. The tip for today is to remember that being active is equally as important as training. You don't always need to be training super hard and going to the gym every day. You know, just being outside, hiking around, like that kind of everyday activity is another great way to stay healthy. And like Chris was saying, he hasn't really done hardcore training in his climbing career until now. And that's believable. I totally get that. Like, I feel like I don't spend time on a campus board or anything. I just try and climb as much as possible. And that kind of stuff will pay off in the end. So you don't have to be so regimented all the time. Awesome. Great tip, Megan. Yeah, guys, great tips. For those of you new to the Wolfpack Ninja podcast, we have had some really incredible episodes with some of the top American Ninja Warriors. We've also had Sean McCall. We've had Jason Robel, a nutrition expert who deals with sports nutrition, uh, as as well as others who have just 
really kind of opened our minds to new and different ways of training and being healthy and working on agility and just becoming the best athlete we possibly can and working on ourselves to become the best ninja and the best person that we possibly can, just like Chris was talking about. Uh, a little information for VIPs. Uh, the VIP tickets are almost sold out. We have partnered with the Westin Hotel, so there's a really, really great discount for VIPs. Uh, please go over to Wolfpack Ninja, uh, wolfpackninjas.com and look under the menu for VIP to learn more about everything that you get. Classes are filling up. Uh, Jeff Britton and Jesse Graff's classes are almost full. There are a few more spots, so if you want to get into those, um, email us and let us know. Also, people are starting to, the adults are starting to donate their, the kids' classes, those portions of their VIP tickets to needy kids. And this is really, really exciting. Uh, We have a whole bunch of other really cool potential deals in the works with partners who Uh, see eye to eye with us and have the same vision of getting our kids active, getting everyone healthier and fighting childhood obesity and diabetes in this country because it really is kind of out of control. So if you are in a position where you can cut out soda, you can reduce your reliance on sugar, please go back and listen to the Akbar Baja Biamila podcast. He had a great, great uh, talk about how he's given up uh, refined and processed sugar. It's it's really something that you can do to make a really positive change in yours and your family's life, and it's something that we would love to, to see you do. The event at Magnus Arena, April 29th, 20th, and 30th, is going to be unbelievable. I mean, Star Spangled Banner, Ninjas, Climbers, Spartan Racers, OCR, running head-to-head for over $30,000 in cash prizes. It benefits the Children's Hospital of Colorado. It's really going to be a sick event. I, I know you all are probably getting sick of uh, hearing me talk about it, but it really is going to be unbelievable, and we would love to see you there so we can continue the event all over the country and blow this sport up uh, into what it really should be. Okay, last little tidbit here, and you guys are going to love this. This is for all the kids out there. We have put together an amazing free ebook called the Wolfpack Junior ebook, and this is a great training book. It's about living your life to the fullest potential. It's about becoming your own superhero, dedicating yourself to self-improvement. It's really incredible. So go to wolfpackjunior.com and get your free ebook. I mean, there's really not that much to it. You just throw your name and email in and then you download the ebook. And it's this awesome ebook that uh, Jeff Britton, Jesse Graff, Travis Brewer, Ian Dory, we've all kind of thrown together, Megan Martin, myself. It's really just how to become your own superhero. It's a a really great book. And so there's a lot of information. There's a lot of pictures, a lot of great details for kids who want to start a training program and want to become their own ninjas. And then also on top of that, those same ninjas are involved in the Wolfpack Junior Club. And this club is a great club for kids to be able to video chat with the ninjas, with Jeff Britton, with Jesse Graff, Megan Martin, uh, myself, and Ian Dory, Travis Brewer, and also get really unbelievable training videos, get more podcasts, uh, one-on-one chatting, video chatting. Uh, There's a point system and you can level up. It is so cool. It's a really good club for kids to become their own superheroes. So check it out, Wolfpack Junior, and download your free ebook today, wolfpackjunior.com. So for the rest of the Wolves, Megan, Ian, Brian, I'm Noah Kaufman, the Ninja Doc, and next week is Chris Sharma, part two. Join us. Thanks so much for joining the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. If you liked it, please tell a friend. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It would mean a lot. Remember to visit our website at www.wolfpackninjas.com and join us on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter at Wolfpack Ninja and on Instagram at Wolfpack Ninja Warrior. Join us next time for another exciting episode with your favorite ninjas and informative health tips. I remember you like we were both kids in Waco or something, you know, like no doubt. we go way back for sure, man. So it's cool, cool to 
it's cool with the social media to see uh, see that you know you're doing well and well it's crazy right it's I make you sound like a boss, you know. So, right on, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no worries, dude. Never, never hurts, you know. <laughs> oh, totally. Vale, vale. Hey, dude. Yeah. I got, I got, I got to deal with this. No, no problem, <laughs> no problem, no problem. Call me back whenever. Okay, okay. It's we easy. Will. Okay, later. Yeah. Hey, we, you know, bit by bit, we're getting closer. Huh? <laughs> okay, dude. Right on. Okay, take care, man. Okay, thanks. later.